Welcome to Musitations, Sound Healing and Sound Wisdom for a World in Need. On Musitations, we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the relationship between nature, culture, and the soul. I'm Michael Branty Maria, and I'm your host and guide on this journey on the edge of a new millennium. I bring my 30 plus years of experience as an integrative wellness guide, best selling author, meditation, yoga, mindfulness teacher, and a four time Grammy nominated musician. Join me now on this adventure of awakening the soul. Welcome back to Musitations. I'm your host, Michael Brant Maria, and I'm I'm really excited today. I feel like a little kid at Christmas. Um, this is the beginning of our second season of Musitations, and I'm overjoyed to have a friend, colleague, but also somebody who I've really admired for for literally decades, Will Clipman. I want to tell you a little bit about. Will, and then we're going to jump right in. Will Clipman is a poet, percussionist, performing and recording artist, mask maker, storyteller, and educator. He's been nominated for seven Grammy Awards. That's three more than me, including one for a solo world music album, Pathfinder, which is a gem if you get a chance to listen. And his pan global instrumental palette is featured in his Planet of Percussion workshops and performance. Will has recorded over 70 albums. I want to repeat that 70 albums, including 35 for Canyon Records, the world's foremost producer of Native American music. Will's poetry is widely published, including his book Dog Light by Wesleyan University Press. His masks and mythopoetic storytelling are showcased in his workshop and performance Myth and Masks which is available as a DVD. Will has conducted over 300 artist in residence programs for elementary, middle and high schools, colleges and universities, senior centers, adult and juvenile prisons, hospitals, libraries, resorts and retreat centers. His work as an educator has been recognized with an Arizona Commission on the Arts Decade of Distinguished Service Award and three Governor Arts Award nominations. Will has toured throughout the United States, including Alaska and Hawaii, as well as in Germany, Canada, Morocco, and Russia. He holds a Bachelor of Degree from Syracuse University and a Master of Fine Arts degree from the University of Arizona. For further insights into Will's work, please visit his website at www.willclipman.com. Well, it, it is such a pleasure and an honor to have you on Musitations. Welcome. Well, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And thanks for that glowing introduction. I was looking around wondering when this amazing person was going to show up. And <laughs> I'm afraid you're stuck with me. <laughs> well, I, I so appreciate your... Um, your humility, your humanity. I I wanted to let people know, um, and and I'd also love it, you know, you to chime in about this. And and as we talked, and those who've been listening to the program, but those who are new, we do solversations on musitations. So instead of just an interview style, it's a chance for Will and I to explore themes that we both love and are curious about and weave those together and as listeners out there you know in terms of if you get a chance to comment or ask questions or reach out to either one of us we really really welcome that but will you know it was such a, a treat and an honor when uh, we were asked to present together for the international ions conference last year and and for those who don't know it means the international near-death experience uh, association and when they first asked me would you be willing to present with will clipman i was going well of course i would i'm not sure will wants to present with me but i'm like overjoyed and i was i was just tickled that they said yeah will would love to 
So I, I want to thank you for that and anything you wanted to chime in about, about us connecting over ions. Well, yeah, the, the response was immediate and enthusiastic for me as well to that invitation. And I, I thought our presentation was really magical and insightful and the feedback I got to it from people who participated was overwhelmingly positive and, and transformational. So I think we did well on our first outing together. Um, I also wanted to just, as a wordsmith and someone who loves neologisms, I, I've been using musitational soulversation uh, exhaustively <laughs> since I heard that from you. I think that's a wonderful uh, new way of talking to one another and a wonderful way to describe uh, an exchange like that. So that's a new that's a new one that's going to stick in my vocabulary. Mm, that and, means so, uh, so much. And, I, and I also um, just wanted to um, thank you for all the work you do in the world. Everybody knows about that, so I won't do an introduction like you gave me, but um, you you do some amazing things in the world and and i just wanted to acknowledge that mm. as a, a starting point for our soul conversation well bless you soul brother i feel that so much and and i i want to say uh, i i so i've been so inspired by um, your and you know the term certainly can be overused but with you it is not an exaggeration you're truly a renaissance man and I would just have to read everyone the, the the first invitation on the first page of your website, which just gives me chill truth bumps. And it also is, it so dovetails with the way I experience the world. And, and so I just have to, to share this, but welcome to Will's world. You've entered a realm of constant conscious creativity where the extraordinary is ordinary. And magic happens moment by moment, whether your passion is music, mask, or myth, or all three, you've come to the right place. I just, it's so beautiful. It's such a, such a beautiful invitation. And for those who have a chance to check out Will's work, you know, it's, you know, there's so many, so many places we could go. And, and I want to really commend you. I, I love the work that you've, you've done with students and and kids and and all kinds of demographic seniors and and in the prisons but i thought a place that might be interesting to start because this is a word that's near and dear to my heart and a lot of people out there probably don't really have maybe heard it but don't know what it means but mythopoetic i mean this is a term just to say the word it the way it rolls off the tongue and I mean, it's so evocative and it and it's so central to my work. I, I don't explicitly talk about it as much as you do, but I, and I don't know if we actually have had a chance to, to talk to, or for me to let you know that's central to, to everything I do. So I was wondering if we could start with you sharing a bit with our audience. For you, what does mythopoetic mean and how is that woven into your work? Yeah, I get asked that a lot because it is not a uh, common parlance. And I do know that you and I share that um, relationship to the world, let's say. Uh, for me, it means that everything I do, whether it be music or poetry or mask making, or just being in the world on a day-to-day -day basis is grounded in my understanding that uh, myth is true mm. that these ancient archetypal stories that we continue to tell thousands of years after their origins and still enjoy and learn from and find fascinating and and terrifying and mm. and funny uh exist because they contain a kernel of truth about what it is to be a human being on planet earth and what it is to be a soul in the larger universe and i try to live in that world 
every day. I, I was kind of born that way, I guess you could say. So it hasn't been a real stretch for me. <laughs> but my journey has been to come to some understanding of what that means and to uh, walk that walk as well as talk that talk, um, you know, one day at a time. The poetic half of the word uh, has to do with my and your uh, relationship to language and the power of words. I, I believe words are things and that they have real power in the real world. So I try to use them mindfully and responsibly and joyfully without putting so much of a burden on it that it becomes precious and formal and then you start losing the mythic part of the experience. So my poetry, my music, my masks, my performances, my recordings, and hopefully my day-to-day -day life are a synthesis of both the mythic element uh, that we all share. Not all of us have arrived at that realization yet, but we all will. And uh, language and sound uh, and visual art as media for expressing that, telling stories about my experience in, in the world and our experience as human beings on planet Earth and as souls in the larger universe. Oh, that's beautiful, Will. Thank you for all of that. I was hearing a, a line from a David White poem one good word can feed a thousand. I may be paraphrasing, but that that is what I was hearing. And yeah, the, and I personally have so enjoyed like even our email exchanges, you have, I feel like um, you do musitation, silversation in, in our email exchange, because you'll pick up some thread of what I've shared, like usually the I call them burning embers, you know, or glowing embers. It's kind of like you, you find that thread of, of, of soul or spirit in what I've just shared with you. And you put that in the subject line coming back and going, and it's, it's, there's something magical about that. And, and I want to first thank you for that. But it also, to me, goes to this, um, well, this phrase on the first page of your website, conscious creativity. And, and you use language to me very similar to music, you know, and, and I, and I have, I've certainly was born with a similar kind of, uh, default setting or, or whatever it is we might call it. And, and I want to also pick up that thread that, that myth is real or this archetypal reality. It's like this, it's a living presence moving through every generation, every age. And, you know, I see that in, in your work and it's, it's, it's really, it's really beautiful. Uh, but I would love if there was any riff you'd like to do on conscious creativity, what that means to you. Well, I think it's the difference between just making stuff as a form of self entertainment or to keep oneself busy and making it with a sense that it matters that what we do is a pebble tossed in the cosmic pond with ripples that go out forever once we've initiated that that moment of creativity so that's what i mean by conscious creativity just the awareness that it has consequences it has power and to do it joyfully and and with as little investment of ego as possible and that's always a challenge we all have days when we think we're you know the bees knees and the cats meow and we can't do any wrong right. and then there's other days where you're profoundly aware that the opposite is probably mm -hmm. true uh, but somewhere in the middle um, the razor's edge the middle way there's different metaphors for it in different schools of thought is a, a way of being in the world that is what I call serious fun. Uh, it, it has consequences and it is meaningful. And once you set it in motion, you can't take it back. But at the same time, 
there's a playfulness, a childlike joy and simplicity in, in making things, whether it be a poem or a song or a mask or a sculpture or a painting or a dance or a cairn of stones or a sandcastle or a mud pie. I mean, anything can be art if it's done with that intention to be consciously creative and creatively conscious. Uh, you flip them around and uh, you end up at the same um, understanding, I think. So that's, that's my take on that particular aspect of what we're talking about. That's beautiful. I've just written down serious fun. That's, that's going to stay <laughs> yeah. with me. It reminds me of that. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's, it's so, it reminds me of also, we could flip that around. I learned so much by being a child psychologist. I, I always like to say the kids taught me so much more than I taught them. Hmm. And, you know, being a play art music therapist for so many, for a few decades of my life, I, I like to say part of what they inspired me to do was play with the seriousness of a child at play because they put their whole, their, their whole selves into it. I know when you've worked with these kids, like I, I love some of the pictures on your website with, with the kids in the school around you with their masks. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, there, I guarantee you there are these kids who as adults will be telling their kids and grandkids, you know, there is this crazy guy who came to my school once and, and I made this mask and found my personal myth. And, um, and so, so, I really, I really feel it's such an important piece of that. It's, it is this middle way of like, uh, because to be creative, we have, we have to be, uh, open and surprised and, and, and kind of let go of that kind of heavy strategic analytic seriousness. But there is like that sense as, as, there's an old saying, I don't know where it comes, but this is also kind of coming through my consciousness right now that child's play in ancient cultures was the preparation for mature soul work that actually that child's play, like in our culture in the West, there's a tendency to move into adulthood and one of two things happen you know you don't grow up and become responsible and you, re you retain your child likeness but you also remain childishness and, and not conscious and responsible the other is you throw out you know the baby with the bathwater, and not only do you throw out the childishness but you throw out the child likeness and then we have all of these dry as dust adults and they've lost the contact with this mythopoetic world and children live in that mythopoetic world. That's why I think not only do they, they play so with such ser their play is serious fun, but also that there is a way in which, um, their story, natural storytellers and creators. And I, I, a lot of what I've tried to do, and I think, you know, I worked with David Darling, um, for years, very deeply in an apprenticeship and his whole message was return to child um, and so i i just have you know great respect because you're doing this in many ways not just with the myth, myth and masks but also in your poetry and and your planet of percussion wow well there's a lot to respond to there we we you and i speak the same language uh, on these subjects and your experience with children is a mirror image of mine. You, you as a psychologist and me as an artist in residence and an arts educator, but everything you said about learning more from them than they will ever learn from me is, has certainly been my experience and just being around the astoundingly profound uh, mask art and poetry that thousands of kids mm -hmm. and others but we're talking about the children right now have created in my in my myths and masks residencies just 
brings me to my knees time and time again with the realization that I will never, as an adult artist, uh, be able to do anything that good. <laughs> so, but it, but it's, it's not frustrating. It inspires me to go back to the studio and try again. Um, but yeah, that's all so true. And I, I also make a distinction that you've delineated between behaving childishly and behaving in a childlike manner. Um, childish almost has a pejorative connotation as if we're not acting like adults, we're not acting responsibly, we're not um, taking care of our responsibilities and so on. Um, and you can buy into that or not, but childlike is, is different in a nuanced way. And that's what David and you and others and myself are, are advocating for is to not to abandon the wisdom and the experience and the gravity of adulthood, but to keep the inner child alive, to keep that openness to experience, to keep that direct high voltage connection to our mythopoetic selves. Mm. And that's what Myths and Masks is all about. And really all I do is give kids permission to explore that and give them enough structure and the right materials uh, so that it's not a train wreck and they are almost guaranteed to succeed with it. And once that starts happening, I just get out of the way and the, you know, say yes. Every question they ask me, can I do this? Is this okay? The answer is yes. Um, and that's my favorite word, I think. Yes and, and maybe love are my two favorite words. So that's, that's, a, that's an important distinction um, as we use language to articulate our experience in the world uh, between childishness and being childlike as an adult. Uh, but everything you said is, is spot on. I'm just um, holding up a, a, a mirror at a slightly different angle to that. Yes, yeah, so oh, that was just beautiful, Will, and uh, just I'm just so so thankful for because it, to me it's very much um, you know spreading this these truths out like seeds in the world when you do this work with children, and you know I can still go back. You know, it's it's interesting we have some interesting synchronicities both from. The Northeast. You from Philadelphia. I'm from Connecticut. Um, you went to Syracuse University. My my wife's from Syracuse, but I but I also I recall in Connecticut growing up the the school presentations we had that I remember the most were when and it's probably partly because I was there was a musician in me dying to to be born. But I remember a number of musicians coming through and doing, you know, not the masks, but um, I remember the ability to do, you know, a, a drum circle or a, bringing a theremin and and just just that. I think when artists like this idea of an artist in residence, I think is just so profound. And there's it makes me sad because this is not happening as much as it needs to in the world. And, and again, I want to just commend you and thank you and Arizona, it seems like is, is, is really supportive of this, which, which I'm so thrilled to hear. And so, so, so the mirroring is, you know, so very important. Could you tell us a little bit about planet of percussion? Sure. That's, that's a vehicle I um, dreamed up to both as a performance and as a as an arts education modality and it's based on my um, interest in world music i've been an informal student of world music since the mid-70s when i was in college at syracuse and was listening to all sorts of avant-garde fusion stuff like Weather Report and Mahavishnu Orchestra and Return to Forever and the Miles Davis projects and uh, just 
hearing these sounds and uh, tracking down the instrument and learning what it was and trying to acquire one and learn how to play it. So when the world music wave hit in popular music, uh, a couple of decades later, I was sort of well positioned to catch that wave and ride it as a, as a musician and a recording artist. But I also wanted to share that in my, in my arts education work. And I came up with this idea that the entire planet is a drum. Um, and I and I have to credit Mickey Hart, whose Planet Drum and uh, Drumming at the Edge of Magic books have been very influential on my thinking in this in this regard. So it's not a totally original idea, but I crafted it in such a way that I could put together a teaching set of handheld percussion instruments and drums that were mobile enough to take into a school set up if necessary, move from class to class. And the kids would find immediately accessible and just demonstrate, say, three rhythms on an agogo, a two-toned bell, the claves, and a, and a hache, a gourd rattle, mm. and talk about the relationship between rhythm and language. Because for me, rhythm is language, and language is rhythm. And that's literally true for me. We can get into my origins as a drummer if later if we want to, but my first language was literally rhythm. Um, and that's, that's a real eye-opener, particularly for kids who have not succeeded with what we call quote-unquote language arts, the traditional use of language uh, in terms of grammar and literature and reading and writing and so on. So it was, it, it was just a, taking my passion for this and turning it into a performance. I do a planet of percussion concerts, which I've done scores of, if not hundreds of, uh, in different venues like the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix and, and sort of downsizing that and bringing it into the classroom and making it available uh, to children. Uh, and uh, and I, much to my delight, it was very popular. Uh, it sort of, you know, opened, uh, opened up a, a box of possibilities um, in that setting that I sort of thought might be there, but I, I was uh, overjoyed at the, the response and the results over time. So that is what Planet of Percussion is in a, in a very large nutshell. Sorry to go on so long about it. <laughs> Not at all. No, so, so important. And I, drumming to the edge of, or at the edge of magic, Mickey Hart was such a profound read for me. It was such a, so powerful and um, and i think you know i know we haven't really talked much about it but you know my although i dabbled with piano a, a, as a kid my real first serious instrument was was the drum and percussion and you know as a percussionist in in the school band and the little school jazz band and i and i i very similar i didn't talk till i was three and i my mom would said i'd you know, I, I drummed on everything and I just begged them till I could get my first Pearl set of drum set, which, you know, I, I guess I was third, fourth grade and, and they made me practice on a practice pad for about a year. Huh. But I remember going, I guess it was third grade. I, we, they took me to a, uh, our high school and they, there was a, a jazz performance and it was a high school jazz band, but the drummer, I just remember watching him well in my, my heart. I, I kind of say I always did a triple backflip because, and I went home, I said, I'm going to be a drummer, but I, so I'm like grooving on everything you're saying and somewhere on your website, you kind of say, which is, was so beautiful. And I totally get, you know, you're always looking for that. I can't remember exactly how you said it, but that magical groove or, um, looking for that groove and and david darling would always you know talk about you know there's always a groove going on the, the key is to find it but all that to say i would love if you would be 
open to sharing with us a bit about how rhythm was your first language. Sure. Uh, and, and there's so many points of connection, as there always is whenever we email or talk. Yes. Um, I uh, also had to practice on a practice pad for a year before I got my first drum set. Um, I also had a very influential teacher as a, an adolescent who was a jazz drummer named Phil Wolfson, mm. uh, who taught me to read music and insisted that I practice and, and honor the craft. And unfortunately for me, fortunately for him, he went on tour with a, a big band in Europe and never came back as a lot of jazz musicians uh, do. Um, but there were so many just in your in your everything you're saying i'm like mm-hmm mm-hmm right wow. That, wow. Did that got that so there's all these my grid is sort of fully lit with little oh. linking lights that i want to circle back to and I, i'm sure we won't get to all of them and i'm not taking notes so it'll just go where it goes but with regard to the rhythmic language um i was fortunate enough to be born into a family where I was surrounded by the sound of my father's drum set and my mother's piano from, you know, in utero through birth and into very early childhood. So that those were just the sounds of my universe. Mm. Um, and one day in our home in Philadelphia, I got up early one morning and went down into the basement where the piano and the drums were. I was three years old. I climbed up on the drum throne, picked up a stick and hit the ride tom on my father's beautiful Radio King Slingerland drum kit, which was made during World War II and therefore had no metal in it. Wow. Um, the, the rims were wood, the shells were wood, the lug receivers were wood, only the lug screws were metal. And they ha and it had this, these beautiful calf skin heads and it just had this amazing organic earthy sound. And I, I hit that tom-tom and the vibration just went right through my body and rearranged my molecular structure. And I, I knew at the age of three that I was gonna do this forever. I, I didn't even know what this was. I just knew I wanted to have that feeling as often as I could for as long as I could. And then I g climbed down and got on the piano bench and did the same thing. And I probably, I may have hit, you know, middle C or some very resonant open pitch and the same thing happened. And I started banging on the piano and the drums without any regard to harmony or melody or, you know, music theory, just making a joyful noise. Mm. Um, and that was the beginning for me. And I just, you know, here I am 20 years later, but a bish. <laughs> now here I am uh, 65 years later, <laughs> still, still kind of searching for that, feeling and i think yeah. you know with all the recording and performing and records and blah 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 I, I think at the end of the day we do this because it feels good mm. i think that's the appeal to people uh to children certainly but also to people who have kept their inner child alive if there's just a a joyful vibration to it that's very visceral and that it that becomes a language um and i've seen this play out performing for audiences with whom i did not share a spoken language uh around the world it it, it it's a it, it is quite literally a language uh, a medium of communication of ideas and emotions and states of being so that was the beginning for me and i i try to return to that when I feel myself getting lost in the, the business of music and the technique of, of playing and just remember that it's supposed to be groovy and feel good. Mm. And if you're doing that, then you're doing it right. It's beautiful. It's supposed to be groovy and feel good. 
that might be the title of our musitation. <laughs> Feeling like good that. and groovy. Um, I'm writing it down. <laughs> in in all seriousness i think feeling groovy is taken but <laughs> i think you're right <laughs> feeling groovy yeah, um but we, but we can work with I, it. we can work with it we'll play with it but it, it in all uh in all serious fun um you're right i mean it it's that's i tell people i don't no matter what's happened during the day i mean sometimes you know this crazy wild earth dance um earth walk is is more than we can process especially right now between covid and you know the war in ukraine and and but i'll pick up a flute and within that first breath will i i'm in it i'm in that place we're talking about and same thing i i was you know i was six seven years old after you know some surgeries and just hitting one note on the piano, closing my eyes and listening to that note just dissipate off into silence uh, was brought me to that place we're talking about, which that vibration that it felt not just good, but somehow it felt like an opening. And and I hope it's okay to get into this because I'm also talking about, which I shared during our sh our share with Ions, that that was after my near-death experience from my seven-year-old surgery. And um, unbeknownst to both of us that, you know, I, I've had such respect for you and your work for so many years. And, and, and to be honest, I mean, it's, it's just such a treat because I've, you know, literally I admired you from afar, never thought I'd not I, not to mention we, we have been nominated at the same time um at least once if, if not twice and just like i'm like oh my goodness i mean I, I have no chance here i mean will clinton he he deserves the grammy this year and and to be here talking with you and developing our friendship is 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 so heartwarming to me and bringing it uh down to you know this where how we connected last year and and when I say that note opened me, I to the place that I experienced on the other side, for lack of a of, of a better phrase, that and I'm and this is an invitation, not an expectation. You can say as literal as little or as much as you'd like to, but I was so moved by your sharing about your near death experience and um and try not to get emotional here, but You know, I shared with you how there's this there's a sense that having that experience on the other side of such bliss, such oneness, such love, such yes, as you mentioned those words, yes and love, that sometimes it's hard being on the planet. And and you said something during our to me, but it was also during our presentation. And I've thought about it so many times, Will, since we had that experience last summer and. And again, I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write it down, but I remember you saying, um, what's helped me is to try to remain useful. And please correct me if that wasn't the actual words or, or you know, the paraphrase of it. But I immediately felt, wow, I really have found a soul brother, not just a, a musical colleague, but someone who, who understands this thing that I can't talk about with many people and immediately we don't even have to talk about it there's just an immediate understanding it's almost like meeting someone from a different planet and it's like you know uh, and like oh yeah you you know so um i i so anyway that's that's an invitation to you in our solversation um, and don't mean to put you on the spot, but I, I really didn't want to finish our conversation without at least touching on that. Yeah, well, again, there's so much richness there to receive and respond to. I hardly know where to begin, but I also ha had and continue to have that sense of, you know, soul connection 
with you, and I and I think that's a particularization of the larger soul connection to all, to all, to all creation that both uh -huh. of us experienced um, upon going through that opening, and it is an opening. Um, I, I've had a, a bunch of experiences that were like being shot out of a cannon into a state of being beyond time and space and materiality. And they're hard to talk about because they are inherently beyond words. Mm. Um, but I'll try to talk about them in relation to my near-death experience and the larger um, sense of being in the universe that that, that represents. <clears throat> I um, that was like you know being strapped to the nose cone of a, a rocket ship that flew into the sun and was mm. incinerated, leaving neither uh, physical sensation nor anyone to have it. Um, and what I came back with when I rematerialized in my body uh, was uh, an overwhelming feeling of oneness with all. Um, and if I, you know, if I had to use one word to describe it, it would be love. Um, and, and, you know, once you've been there, you, I think we've talked about this too. There's a moment of decision where you don't really want to come back. Yes. I mean, why would one want to come back from that into the world as we know it? And yet we come back uh, because we are needed. There is work for us yet to do, things for us yet to be, uh, people who need us. And so we choose to come back. Um, and I suppose that in a way is, is like the, the Buddhist concept of the bodhisattva, mm -hmm. uh, one who forgoes his or her own nirvana to enable others to reach that point. And I'm not putting myself on that pedestal by any means, but there is an, there is an element of that in the return. Uh, there's an arc to the journey where you're just blasted out instantaneously into this state of being that we're trying to describe. And at, at the peak of that arc, there's a moment where the individual mind begins to re receive information from the physical senses again. And you, you make a conscious choice, again, that term consciousness, and perhaps it's a creative choice as well to, uh, to complete the arc of that particular journey and come back. Uh, so here we are, and then the question becomes, how do we make ourselves useful? How can we be of service to others, to the highest good? And of course, that includes us. We are, we are serving our own fulfillment and our own highest good uh, when we do these things. So it's, it's not altruism or self-sacrifice per se. It's, it's simply self-realization. Um, and, and in the process of realizing ourselves, we contribute to the universal unfolding um, in ways that are mysterious and perhaps ultimately unknowable. But we have that sense that we're on we're on our path and we're doing, we're doing some good. Um, so that's what I came back with and what I try to stay focused on from day to day. I don't have to tell you that it's a, it's a job of work to do that, but you know, I, I feel like I'm getting a little better at it, uh, as I go along. So, uh, that's hopeful. <laughs> mm, that was just all so so beautiful i'm i'm so grateful for your love of words because it, it, we are talking about these 
unspeakable things ultimately we they, they are the reminds me of the zen idea they everything we're saying about is a finger pointing at the moon but you you have you shared with us some beautiful fingers <laughs> pointing at the moon and and to evoke that which um, we only know through that that groove or that feeling um, but thank you for all that I, I i mean i can't wait to actually go back and listen to this because i want to that was really i was just absorbing every word and you have uh, such a gift of articulation of these very uh, difficult things to put into words and yet and yet we must try right i mean it, it we and it's if it touches one person out there or maybe um, connects to part of their experience or perhaps validates if, if if any of you listeners out there you know know what we're talking about or has experienced it or it might give you a sense of peace or understanding or feeling heard and seen um, I think that's why I have felt more of a mission to talk about it, Will. So thank you for for sharing so much. Well, you're you're so welcome. And you know, another another really important thread that's woven into the entire conversation just came back to the foreground of the tapestry, so to speak, which I'd like to touch on, and that is the importance of listening mm -hmm. and the importance of stillness and silence. Um, I have come to the realization that conversation, music, poetry, art, life is at least as much, if not more, about being still, being silent and listening. And, and it's becoming a lost skill uh, in our in our 32nd sound bite noisy chaotic violent world um, but that's one thing I always try to impart to children and I really try to listen to them but also adults I mean you've probably found this to be true it's getting really hard to have a conversation with someone forget about a group of people at a dinner table half of whom are have their phones on and are checking messages or social media or whatever. We just don't listen to each other anymore and we don't listen to the world. Yes. So how can we get any useful information and do something useful with it? So you know how to listen and one thing I love about our conversations is just is just scintillating mm -hmm. is that we're really listening to each other. We're not just watching our watches and waiting for the next time we get to talk. Mm -hmm. And that's a convert that's a soul versation. You know, it's an evolving living entity. And it only happens if you can shut up and listen for a minute. <laughs> which a lot of people can't do, Michael. So I'm so grateful for your uh, innate genius for that. And, um, and, it's an, and it's an invitation to really emote and speak truth, you know, speak your truth. Uh, so thank you for, for that. And I, and I think it's really important um, that we not lose that entirely. I just have chill bumps the whole time you were that last share was just um so so precious and yeah i'd like to say everyone needs a good listening to <laughs> you know and, and when i tell people you know now i'm i'm fortunately you know because my music's done well so well i've been able to retire my psych gig and and i loved it but 30 years i i i found you know, people would pay me good money to listen to them. And I realized how few people ever really are listened to, Will. And, and I think part of why, you know, we've been able to, to create what we have is we had some very, 
we were very blessed with good listeners probably growing up. I, I'm, I'm reminded of your grandmother. I think you mentioned at age six when, you know, you shared your first poem with her and I would just, you know, almost touched me to tears that, that she, you know, um, encouraged and praised you. And she obviously was, she was really listening to your attempted expression. And, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's becoming a lost art. And I think you're being actually generous saying 30 seconds. I think it's more like, you know, what is it? TikTok is about 0.5 seconds, you know, or three to five seconds. You know, people saying now, well, if you don't engage some, if they don't, you know, in three seconds, you got three seconds. I'm like, holy moly. I mean, what has happened? Um, and and certainly we're, you know, not only we're lovers of music, but as well as nature. I mean, I think that's a big piece of our work in our genre and, 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 and the work that the kind of, to me, my holy trinity is nature, um, creativity and spirituality. And, and I feel like we're, you know, again, brothers on that. So thank you. And, and, and for those who are out there, you know, and you probably know this book, it was a one of our main readings that we would do in my my apprenticeship with David Darling. But the listening book is a beautiful book. If anyone wants to learn more about listening, in particular as a musician, but also just listening in general, because I and and this is the last thing I'll say. I was also thinking about this, which I think you'll appreciate. I I just. It just tickles me um, at the core of my being. There was an interview of Mother Teresa, and the interviewer was asking her how she prays, you know, or what she prays. And she said, well, that's an interesting question. It's, it's more like listening than praying for me. And he said, listening? Well, well what, what does God say then? And she says, well... That's even more interesting because it's like he's listening too. So so it's like listening to listening. And you could tell the interviewer was just completely thrown. But when I read that, Will, it was like what we're talking about. I mean, listening to listening, you know? So I, I you're one of the few people who I feel like would really get that. And while you were talking, that was that was what was was kind of like um I was recalling in my heart. Well, I love the, I love your expression being tickled at the core of your being. Mm. I think that's a title for something. Mm. <laughs> mm. Thank you for mirroring that. And, and your recollection of my story, which I obviously told you at some point about my grandmother and my first poem, that's an example of what I'm talking about, to really be able to listen deeply enough for that little nugget to get embedded in your consciousness, mm. and germinate mm. like a seed and have consequences mm. and be meaningful. That only happens if, if we're really paying attention. Yes. And I think that that's the secret, if there is one, is to pay attention to give the gift of your attention to the world so that the world can return its gifts to you. Um, and it's so simple. Mm. You would think it would be a no-brainer, but it, but it takes a long, it's taken me a long time to, to get to that. Um, and that, that may be one of the beauties of, of living a long time is mm. It may take a long time to get to that, or, or, or it may not. I've known kids who, uh, you know, died of serious childhood illnesses who had that awareness at 11. And I would just go visit them in the hospital and, and sit and, and let them teach me about that. So it, it's not so much years on, of life as it is... Um, I think our spiritual age is different than our chronological age. So people do reach that threshold different ways and in different periods of chronological time. But there's some, it, it's sort of the old, the old soul concept. You know, you, you meet people and they could be 
11 or they could be 111 but they've you know they've been around the block a few times yes and they know what you know and mm -hmm. you know that they know what you know and they know that you know that they know you know <laughs> it's just uh you don't you almost don't have to talk about it yeah. you know when you picked up your flute like you said the first note i was like boom i'm in mm -hmm. i know exactly what how to answer that mm. um, because I heard it and you had something to say. And that that's the language of, of music when you're really playing soulfully and, and someone is really listening heartfully. Well, that's a, that's a, a perfect segue to the last piece I'd like to, because we, we clearly could talk for a few more hours, I'm sure. And oh, I'm we're not going to. <laughs> I'm, we're going to find some way, whether it's uh, me there or you here or another follow-up musitation. But I, um, when you said heartfully, it reminds me of, um, I believe it was St. Bernard who, who said, you must learn to listen with the ears of the heart, to imagine your heart being an ear. And, and I do, I, I feel like that's, um, and I have to, I, you know, I've mentioned David now at least three times and, you know, he passed away last year and, and he, he was such a, I, I told him when we first met, I've been looking for you as a music teacher since I was six. And he, you know, I, I did the music for people, uh, became a certified music improvisation facilitator for musicians and non-musicians. But the bottom line was, he was such a humanitarian and, and there was such um we would talk so much about listening like mad to um to that musical conversation what was ever going on and another one of his favorites was you are always playing a duet with silence and i i get chill bumps right now i mean those I, I feel similar when we talk when i would when david and i would talk and he changed my life you know it was just such a he helped me transform from being this child psychologist to the, he helped me connect to the musician that was inside of me and and i had been playing and doing meditation tapes for clients for years and and playing in different uh, ways and venues but i i never took my music seriously until I met David and, and David um, insisted I take it seriously and start sharing it in a larger way. And so I, I owe so much to David. And, and so anyway, I have felt fully listened to from the heart with you today, Will, and I feel fully, uh, my heart is full from our silversation musitation. Um, but I, before we finish, and this is just beyond what I imagined it would be, um, please share with our listeners how people can get in touch with you, find out more about your work, and, and anything else you'd like to share before we finish up. Well, ditto all that for me. I, I don't really want to talk about my work anymore, but mm. I'm really easy to find, and I welcome contact uh, one way is through the contact form on my website. If you go to the toolbar at the top of willclitman.com, uh, there's a, a contact form. And it's, it's a form, it's a template, but it's a way of reaching out and making contact. And I always respond to those. My email address is williamclitman at aol.com yes there is one person who still uses <laughs> AOL. and i'm you know as you know i'm an avid emailer yes and my phone number is 591-0776 area code 520 i don't often answer the phone but i do return vo voicemail so text messages voicemail email the contact form on my website. I'm a Mesolithic person, inadvertently time warped into the 21st century. So I do not do social media, uh, but you can find me and I will answer if you call. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, Will. Well, I really want to let our listeners know, um, Will, is, Will, 
you've already, you know this from hearing us today, but he's a true gem of a human being and a, a truly generous soul and so much richness. If you have a chance, please tune into his music. I promise you will not be disappointed. There is a real magic in everything from from his percussion and and math, uh, myth and mask making and his poetry. And if you have the chance or you are an educator out there and might want to bring one of his programs to your area, I'm already thinking about ways I can bring you over here to the Florida Gulf Coast. So just definitely reach out. He's, he's uh, a, a true humanitarian and, and a huge heart and, and very responsive. Will, I, I can't thank you enough. You just, this is um, very special to me. So I, I love you. I appreciate you. And I look forward to many more conversations with you on or off the air. Yes. Well, lo I love you too, Michael. And I can't wait for the next time we we meet. Thank you, my friend. Um, be well, everyone, and we will see you on the next episode of Musitations. You've been listening to Musitations, sound healing and sound wisdom for a world in need, where we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the soul. I've been your guide and host, Michael Brandt DiMaria. Feel free to check out my music on Pandora, Amazon Music, Spotify, XM Cirrus Radio, or Soundscapes Cable. You can also check out my website at michaeldimaria.com or online programs at alldaypeace.com, alldaypeace.com. Listen to your heart. Follow your soul. And we'll see you on the next episode of Musitations.